teams can't follow what he's doing, so they just make rules against whatever he's doing and say he's cheating. Instead of being better and trying to, you know, better yourself as a player, coach, manager, you just, oh, Bill's cheating. So we hit the Patriots. That's yeah, just a blanket statement. Oh, he's cheating. Not, oh, he outsmarted us because he found, he found the loophole in Rule 46, Article 3, Section D, Verse 4 that says he's allowed to do this and none of us knew, but that's, that's his fault for us not knowing. ESPN did a draft. They did 32 teams, 128 players, four rounds for each team. And were they naturally picked, not like compensatory picks? So the New England, uh oh, uh oh, Chris, you're not going to like this. Uh oh. You're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. So Mike Reese uh, did the draft picks for the New England Patriots. That's going to be awesome. I hate all but one of his picks. So in the first round, he selected Sam Darnold. What? Of anybody in the. Wait, where were they picking? He 23rd. Did you have to take a quarterback? What are the guidelines for this draft? Uh, the available players. Like Cincinnati takes Patrick Mahomes in one. Understandable. Okay. Uh, TJ Watt with a second round pick. I'm okay with that. You're not, not going to be okay with the next one. Oh, boy. Your boy in the third round. Not Amari Cooper. Yeah, your boy. Oh, Jesus. Wait, wait, wait for yeah, it. Sam Donald throw into Amari Cooper. The ball will just implode in midair. I don't understand. Should we cut this short and edit, make it a segment? I mean, we can. All right, I think we're good. Ready? I am. All right. I am ready. Let's go. Yes. Go. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. And we are here, as always, to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 70, good show plan for you today. We have more, I guess you could call it, information on the MLB restart or lack thereof. As promised, but not as detailed as I promised, the Richard Seymour draft pick compensation tree we started talking about last episode. I kind of went down that rabbit hole, and it got really convoluted, and it was not as much fun as I thought it would be. So I did get the the bigger names that resulted from that trade, but quite frankly, even as a Patriots fan, it was boring, Ben and I. So we really didn't think that would make for a good segment. <laughs> so we kind of got the basics, and we'll, we'll go over that, because I said I would. So, uh, Why do we only seem to care about the NFL draft? That's not everybody. Some people care about the other sports as well. But the numbers indicate that it is NFL and then everything else. We also, in a fun way, pick apart ESPN's 32-team mock draft. That's going to get interesting, to say the least. But first, the NFL salary cap for 2021. It's going to get really interesting. And you got to remember one thing, Chris. They have to renegotiate a CBA before the beginning of next year on top of this. I thought they already did that this, uh, this offseason. I thought they didn't. CBA is new. It's already locked in for 10 years. That's how they got to the extra playoff games. That's right. That's right. I thought I thought they were – I don't know why I was thinking. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little perplexed that this is – I'm going to wait to see if it actually happens. But if this happens and, and there's a 30 to $80 million drop in the salary cap, look out. You got yeah, a couple teams, yeah, that are going to be in really bad shape. Yeah, you you, so so I highlighted three teams um, specifically because they're 
Now, this is the salary cap going into the 2021 season, which is why what we're talking about. The Eagles are at negative 51 million for next season. Already before any kind of decrease? Uh, yeah, they have uh, 60 players locked in for contracts next year. And that's not counting, of course, the rookie contracts for their rookie picks next year, which they might have a little less uh, due to trades. But regardless, they still have to, they're going to have retirements, what have you, people. Free agents. Free agents, people not living up to their contracts. It's just interesting. They're they're negative fifty one in the in the hole for next year. Even on the light side, if we went thirty million reduction, I mean they're starting off with a negative eighty one cap space. And how do you dig yourself out of that hole? Now, here's my only question: Is if say we get to October, September, October, and we're allowed to have fans in a stadium, even if it's a lesser amount than normal that's under capacity. Is it still possible it drops? I mean, I think this is assuming we're not going to have fans in the stands, which is going to hurt revenue because the salary cap, salary cap is a combination of a lot of things, but a vast majority of it is revenue from the fans purchasing things live at games. And And if that's not sharing revenue sharing, but if that revenue is not coming in, I mean, you can't, you can't you can't have a, a larger cap if you if you don't have revenue coming in, right? And, and in these TV contracts and everything, there's all sorts of step ups. Like uh, if you have this many viewers, you get this much. In it. If people aren't watching, if people aren't attending, I, I think people will still watch just fine, but it'll be different. But if people aren't attending these games, it's going to be a massive hit, and you could see a lot of teams, like you said, really suffer. I just wanted to throw that in there so people understood why it might be the cap might be lesser. Because that's assuming we don't have fans in the stands come September, which as every day you know gets closer and closer, seems like more and more of a possibility. And, and even if there's uh, escalator step ups in contracts for TV to increase, if there's viewership, uh, increased viewership, that's all well and good. There's no possible way you can uh, balance out the book sheets by having getting so much money from the TV deals, radio deals, whatever, uh, with not having fans at all. Because even if you increased it 10%, you're still not... If you increase your your viewership by 10%, 15%, you're still not infusing that money from the fan base on game day. You're just not. And it's not... Especially if you get the playoff season where the ticket prices skyrocket, the stadium prices skyrocket, everything goes up. And if you're a perennial playoff team and you don't have the fan base by them because maybe this this supposed second wave comes through, well, we just we haven't come back to that point where we're having uh, fans in the stands. It's still, it's still going to punish next year's salary cap to the point where it could be. 50, 60, 70, $80 million reduction. I mean, you're, you're, you're a playoff team like the Eagles and, or the saints, you're going to want to keep this team together somehow. Now the saints have a different, a different way they can maneuver. That is if Drew Brees drops off and I'm not even 
we won't go into his comments uh, this past week. I'm just referring to his play. If it drops off significantly, if they can get out of the contract somehow, or dude, they're good. They got Taysom Hill. They're good. Sean Payton already said Taysom Hill's the man. I know how much you love Taysom Hill. I know. I I get you. I get you. I'm just saying, like the money wise, though. Money wise, even if they can kick that can down or half that can down the down the road to 2022, and maybe they can recover to the salary cap then. But you know. The three teams I look at is the Eagles, the Saints, and the Falcons. The Falcons and the Saints are probably the two easier to well, – the Falcons are negative eight in the hole, so they don't have as much of a hill to climb, and I think there's some ways they can make that work. Unless, unless of course, it is a $40 million drop, then they're screwed. Well, if it's – yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If it's 40, 50, like, they're all pretty much – but it's the Eagles I'd be worried about if I were an Eagles fan. It's just – You've invested so much in this season. Like this has got to be your season. You have to. You have to push. You're pushing your chips in here this year because you were kind of. You're probably hoping for a, a slight increase next year so that you could maybe kind of just fudge the numbers and make it work for you. And deal some, what? You can't put that kind of pressure on them. Remember what Lane Johnson said. They're just there to have fun. They don't care if they only win one Super Bowl. They already won that. Now they just want to have fun. Winning be damned. Well, I don't know, man. It looks like they're trying to win this year. Nope, just have fun. That's all. Okay. Pay a lot of people and have fun. That's all. They don't want to win. And I'll I'll say this, and I said this to Chris. If it's $80 million, it's a lot of teams here are, the, here, are the, here are the teams that are not in the hole if it's $80 million. <clears throat> Number six is the uh, Patriots. Number five is the Bengals. Four, the Redskins. Three, the Jags. Two, the Chargers. One, the Colts. All those teams are either $86 million or higher with cap space. Those are the teams that would not have to, quote-unquote, fudge the numbers, move money around to make it work if it was $80 million, uh reduction in salary cap. So if you're a fan of one of those, uh, any of those teams, great. You you'd be in a prime position to keep your team together. If you're below that, you got some work to do. And how many how many of these these uh, teams, the offices, the financial departments, are actually capable of dealing with a problem like this? And I don't mean doing the basic math of it. I mean looking at the numbers. The salary cap started in 1994. It has increased every year by no less than 12 million dollars. Except for 2010, when they were doing the CBA, they actually had no cap, which presented a problem for a lot of teams as well. Correct. But besides that, it has always gone up. It has never been this drastic drop-off. So there may be teams that just are not even, from a knowledge standpoint, even close to prepared to deal with a problem like this. And I, I ran a few numbers, just because yep. I like I like doing that, and I think it, it can kind of put things in perspective, right? If we're talking no fans... So the average NFL stadium holds, put it on conservatively, 60,000 people. Okay. I, I believe most hold, I don't think there's any that hold less than 60. I could be wrong. But I think it's between, I want to say like 63, 64. And I think it goes all the way up. I think one of them holds like 82,000. Probably Dallas. I think Dallas is one of the higher ones as well. I think actually uh, Washington is too. But, so, I looked up the average price of the NFL ticket. And that depending on what your definition of 
uh, whether you're talking about actually from the team or aftermarket. Aftermarket was almost four hundred dollars, and so I went low end just to try to be as accurate as possible. I assumed every ticket of a sixty thousand seat stadium was two hundred and fifty dollars, which again. As someone who's bought NFL tickets, if you can find them for two fifty and they're good seats, take them because that's a real good price. So that's all low end. At two hundred and fifty a piece for sixty thousand seats, that is fifteen million dollars in revenue per game. That is not coming in per game. Times that by eight. Thirty, sixty, hundred and twenty million a year in revenue. You're not getting. That's right. I mathed. We're not even counting the playoffs either. We're not counting the playoffs. We're not counting. The stadiums that have vastly more than 250, excuse me, the stadiums that have vastly more than 60,000 seats. We're not counting all the seats that are aftermarket, which are higher, which the team doesn't get all of because it's aftermarket sales. But still, even from the teams themselves, there are seats that are, oh God, five, six, seven hundred dollars, upwards of a thousand. You get into some of those skyboxes, you can be talking 10, 20 grand a game for some of these corporations. I mean, this is. It is no exaggeration to say that these stadiums easily losing twenty to thirty million, and that's just ticket sales. That is not, not that is not parking. That is not concessions. That is not souvenirs. That is not whatever else they can try to find a way to sell you. And they sell you on everything the minute you walk in the door. This is million, tens of millions of dollars every single game that you're not getting from the fans and. Right. Nobody's crying them a river because all these guys, you know, they have money. I'm not. I'm not saying woe is them. I'm just presenting the numbers based but on. You want, what's that? But you. But you. Why we enjoy the sport is the the constant. You know, um, each and every year you're getting a product that you can enjoy, right? And it's a product you want to watch week in and week out. And they evolve the game each and every year. Infusing new rules, taking rules out, doing this, doing that, you know, just tinkering with it here and there. And you take one season and you can't focus. Like, they'll probably try to do some stuff to, to innovate the game, but they really won't be able to because the majority of their focus is going to look at this and say, oh boy, we have a big issue and we need to resolve it. And we need to have peaceful conversations with the players union so we can come to some sort of agreement in 2021 we're not even talking about this year we're talking about next year so you have time to get this resolved if you feel like this is coming down the pipes but that's uh, we we understand the 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 owners make all this money and, and the players make all this money it will affect the game if you know look at the like i said the eagles if they have to clear 80 million in cap like, how many players are they going to lose? How many good players are they going to lose? And are they going to get jobs because they're going to want X number of dollars and nobody, I mean, nobody's going to have it. Uh, wouldn't, that be, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't that be something if he got, like, a good quarterback that had the, that left because this team couldn't afford him, but the good old Patriots had their salary cap in uh, in position to sign somebody? I mean, Bill. Bill's ready. Picture, picture. I mean, just saying, it'd be nice to see Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson in a patch jersey. Well, I don't, I don't think. I'm giving some fan bases nightmares out there. I don't really think that's going to happen. They'll work that out, but <laughs> well, we, st- we, we still have the Deshaun Watson to England rumors that just yeah. I don't know about that. We'll see. There. I think I think uh, Houston's going to resign him. 
I don't think even Billy O is dumb enough to let him go. But, but it, a, it, it, he it, did it, let DeAndre Hopkins go for almost nothing. He so. did. He did. So it's anything's possible. But you're right. You know, it seemed like, um, well, let's throw it out there. Like, I don't think it'll happen. But maybe Atlanta is at the point where they just they just can't. They just can't anymore. And he's not being productive. And Bill sees Jared Stidham for one year and says, yeah, that's it. this isn't going to happen. Does he take a one-year flyer on, on, on Matt Ryan to come back and play in Boston where he went to college? Possibly. I mean, uh, and, and 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 this is kind of... Aaron Rodgers? Kind of, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> well, I don't think Green Bay has as much of a problem, but this is kind of an offshoot because I'm kind of like... Uh, I'm, I'm kind of done with the, the cap. I think we've kind of sussed out as much as we can out of it. I don't know about you, but... Yeah, I'm good, but I'm good with that. We can move on, yeah. Um... It was an interesting story, real quick, that that someone wrote. Um, who was it? Chad Finn. He's an opinion piece uh, columnist with uh, the Boston Globe. It just came on my Twitter feed yesterday or the day before that the the Patriots would be a perfect team for Colin Kaepernick to sign. I look at it from a play a football perspective only. Okay, I'm not looking for for political views and everything because right now, if someone signed him right now, it'd be very political, uh, politically charged, and, and I don't think it would do him justice or anyone justice. But looking at it from a football standpoint, if I were Bill, it would if if you had the full offseason and you saw what Jared Stenham did, it would tell you volumes of what Jared Stenham was if in late July, early August, Colin Kaepernick signed with the Patriots. But unfortunately, we don't have that. We're not going to have that. You're going to. Ha- he's going to have August to figure out what he's going to do with Jared Stidham. But I would say, if during the season he didn't see what he, he didn't like what he saw, I think this offense that they're going to have with Jared Stidham could morph better to what Colin Kaepernick did does than if you had Tom Brady, and then you try to transition to Colin Kaepernick because that's too. Tom Brady is completely different from Colin Kaepernick. Oh, totally different play style, yeah. Kaepernick's more mobile by far. Right, and Jared Stidham throwed a lot of mobility. So I think they're going to morph that offense around Jared Stidham, which is why it would be a mistake to start Brian Hoyer. It's got to be Stidham's team. It's Stidham Stidham for sure. But I'm just saying, like, in September, if you look at it and he's just not making any progress, he is throwing – he is just throwing to the team. He's doing like he did last year where his first first throw was a pick six. If he's doing that too much, Bill might look at him and say, okay, well, bring in Kaepernick for a workout. He's got what we want. He's got some – still has the mobility, still has the arm strength. We've got some players. we got some – the offense is adjusted away from what Tom did to what Jared's done. So it's like it might work. And – and Kaepernick's 32 years old. He's not an old cap by any stretch of imagination. So it's not – I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say you could bring him in. But, again, and I'll stress this, the same with Cam Newton. It's all about the dollars because the Patriots don't have a lot of it. No, they don't. And I, I think, like you said, that's a problem. That's why I don't know how interested they are in Cam Newton. 
simply because, and I, I know it's it's kind of foolish to some people to say it comes down to one play. Him not diving on that fumble in the Super Bowl, that hurt him as a free agent. I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with his talent on the field. I don't even think it's injuries. So guys who have injuries get flyers all the time. When it comes to Cam Newton, the fact that in the biggest moment of his career, when it mattered most, when his team was mounting a comeback in the Super Bowl, he fumbled the ball, which happens. Nobody's perfect. Oh, Tom fumbled the ball. Tom fumbled the ball in, in, in the Eagles Super Bowl when he'd been killing it offensively all game, and that, that was the nail in the coffin. But Cam fumbled and then looked scared. He, like, turned away from the ball and let the Broncos dive on it. He had no interest in getting in there and getting his hands dirty. And then he wanted to run off stage and, and, and like, acting like a child when they questioned him on it, because how dare you question me? I'm Cam Newton. He can show all the IG videos and, 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 and Twitter comments that he wants of him working out and being in great shape. That's fine. I don't want the most jacked quarterback in the league who won't dive on a fumble. And Bill, and if I don't, Bill Belichick sure as hell doesn't. I'd take, so, I'd take Kaepernick, who hasn't played in three three years now. Yeah, it's been three a while, years. yeah. I think it's been three years, three or four. Like three or four years. I'd rather take him than, than Cam Newton. Knowing what I know from what Cam Newton's done and the fact that I feel like I go from – the quarterback player perspective, I just think he could just use, if to extend his career, he could A, use a year to be healthy and just get himself 100% ready. And then two, kind of sit behind someone and just say, I need to change how I throw, which he tried to do, but he reverted back as someone, I don't remember who it was, but pointed out, you can you can do all the offseason work to change your throw. Was that Cam Newton or Kaepernick? Ka- uh, Cam Newton. Okay. He he took the entire offseason last year to redo his mechanics. Got back into the game. What did he do? Reverted right back to his old mechanics. It takes a long time for someone who has thrown that many passes to try to fix his his throwing motion. Oh, to absolutely, make it, absolutely. It, it would behoove him just to take the entire year to just sit behind someone, take in the offense, continue to learn his new throwing motion, and then just take it as, all right, I need to eliminate this many runs. We need to eliminate doing these dives because I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, I'm a big body quarterback, but I also... I can't do what I used to do. I can't be Superman. I can't barrel through two linebackers to get in the end zone. No. If I want to have longevity in this game, it just it's just not possible. So here's the thing too: if you're talking like James, well, James Winston already signed. I forget. I keep forgetting he signed with somebody. Right. It was it was so low key when it happened. Um, with Cam Newton, if you're talking Newton or Kaepernick, and based on what I just said, I'm not bashing Cam Newton. That's just simply my observation of him as a player, as a person. He seems like a really great guy. Does a lot for charity. Good dude. Head's in the right place. Heart's in the right place. That's just on the field I'm talking. With a guy like, if you're going to say, do you want to bring in Cam Newton, who is going to want to come in as a starter? Even if it's a one, even if it's a one-year deal, because another starting quarterback gets injured and the team can't afford him, he's going to want to. doesn't mean he's going to get it, but that's what he wants. You get a guy like Kaepernick. If Kaepernick really, really wants to play, and I don't know. I'm not in Colin Kaepernick's side. I can't tell you what he's really feeling. He wanted that workout last year with the NFL, and they organized it. And then right beforehand, he thought the fix was in, so he wanted it in his spot. 
and it didn't work out, and both sides were saying the other one was was screwing with it. Right. I don't know. I'm not in those meetings. It, it's just a shame it went down that way because the guy finally had a, a tryout in front of a lot of team representatives, supposedly, and ended up not working out the way they all wanted it to. So that, that's kind of a shame. But if he is serious, and at this point, I don't know if he's serious about getting back in the game, and I really couldn't blame him, honestly, because a fan of him, his or not on the field. And quite honestly, I never thought he was that, that tremendously good on the field. Um, but he is without a doubt better than a vast majority of the backup quarterbacks in the league. So you're going to tell me he can't get a job, job on any team. Well, that's another story for another day, but I'd be willing to give him, if he really wanted to play, I'd be willing to give him a shot. It's going to be cheaper than Cam. Yeah. It'll be it'll be a one year show me deal. What do you got left, dude? He hasn't been taking now. If he's been staying in shape, he hasn't been taking the abuse. He's had four years where he's not taking the abuse of an NFL quarterback. Oh, I saw that. I saw that uh, workout. He is in shape. Yeah, he is in he is in shape. And that so, was. I mean, that was last off season, so I can't imagine he's dropped off. No, I can't either. But I'm I just mean, looking at it real quick, Chris. There's only like one team. I I seriously look at. And say, this is a landing spot, but it's not even a starting quarterback position. It's a backup. Where's that? And it's De- it's Detroit. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. And it's De- Detroit because I don't know what Stafford's going to do, and they have the money. And but then the offense, I don't know what would would, would play. They'd have to do some changes, but it's good. It's a good offensive set. It's a lot of weapons, but. If if Detroit I mean, ends up having, well, I think we got we got to move on to our our second yeah. topic here. But if Detroit ends up having an injured Matthew Stafford early in the season again, I don't think you're going to see that team try really hard to crawl out of the first pick position. They're gonna they're gonna be playing oh, for a oh, quarter. They're gonna be playing for a quarterback early in the 2021 draft, and they're gonna move on from Stafford. Because yeah, there's, there's there's two of them that are you know, a, yeah. nice and juicy coming out of college, and you so never know who, you never know what's gonna happen with them. Who else is gonna jump up and, and take a prime spot? So. True story. But moving on. This this is this, this is, is uh we found this on ESPN.com or you found it on ESPN.com. I actually found it on Twitter. Okay. Well either way. Link, yeah, link to ESPN. It linked me to it linked but me to ESPN. This is this is it is a apparently they had a writer or something from each of the thirty two NFL teams do a four yes. round mock draft. And I believe it was in was it in the same positions as they had in this previous draft. Uh yeah. Uh well, the, the the first round was the same position, and then, um, then it was a snake draft after that. Okay, so for those who don't know what that is, that means whoever picks last in the first round picks first in the second round, and it goes backwards from there. So if you had the first pick, you'd end up with the sixty fourth pick, and if you had the thirty second pick, you'd end up with the thirty third pick. So just a little, little uh, teaching moment for those of you who may not be aware what a snake draft is. But there were some. We actually didn't plan on having this on the show. It's something you actually saw when we were kind of running through things beforehand. And yeah. we, we, we commented on it for about 15, 20 minutes. And finally we were like, well, just put it on the show. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be a topic for 25 minutes on a pre-show. Let's, let's actually just make it a legitimate topic on the show itself. So anything that caught your eye, Ben, as far as this, these 32 experts that each represented one NFL team, in a four-round mock draft, 
and I use the word experts loosely based on some of the picks I heard. What caught your so I, eye? So I kind of buzzed through it. Um, Cause we really, like you said, we didn't really plan for it, but there's a lot of good, there's some question marks and we, you all know we're, we're Patriot fans. So where do you think I went to first? Don't know Patriots. I'm like, Oh, Mike Reese. Okay. Mike Reese. I, I listened to him on the radio. Sometimes he's a smart guy. Uh, they'll have him for spots and, you know, he gives good insights. He's very articulate. I have no idea what this guy was thinking. I have no idea what he was thinking. He he clearly just thought of this all on his own because these are some of the dumbest picks I have ever seen. Please elaborate. The, fir- the first pick he chooses at number 23, he takes Sam Darnold. So... You're telling me because this isn't this isn't like a fantasy draft. This is you, a draft a, a draft assuming you're restarting a real team. Correct. You're going to tell me Sam Darnold is the 23rd best player in the league. Correct. Okay, let's let's just for instance, can you name the five people taken after Darnold, and I'll tell you whether I would or would not take them in front of him. All right. So New Orleans takes Khalil Mack at 24. Without a doubt, take him above Darnold. Okay. Uh, Minnesota takes Ryan Tannehill at 25. Uh, I prefer him at quarterback, but I could understand taking Darnold because he's younger. But number twenty-six, Houston, ironically, takes DeAndre Hopkins. Has Bill O'Brien already traded him again? Uh, not yet. But well, whether he has or hasn't, I would take him above Darnold easily. All right, uh, number twenty-seven, Seattle takes Mike Evans without a doubt above Darnold. Uh, Baltimore at twenty-eight selects Matthew Stafford. Yeah, as long as he's healthy, I would take him above Darnold all day. Uh, number 29, Tennessee takes Tyreek Hill. Yep, absolutely. And then let's finish it off with um, probably one of my favorite players from this draft. Green Bay at number 30 takes Tua Tungabailoa. Oh, yeah, i take him. i take him above Darnold. Now, Skill set's much <laughs> better. Let's add a little context to this. With the, the 42nd pick in the second round, they select TJ Watt. Now you're on board with that, right, Chris? I think I'm okay. TJ Watts, he had a hell of a season last year, and he's, I mean, like I said, anybody with that Watt bloodline, I'm, I'm all for having him on my team. So that's that's not that crazy. Solid defense, okay. solid defensive player to build your defense around in round two. I'm okay with that. Yeah, why not, you know? At number 87 in the third round, Mike Reese selects Amari Cooper for the New England Patriots. Well, first of all, I think it's very clear wherever Mike Reese works, they don't drug test. That's that's obviously clear. Which, I'm not gonna com- I'm not gonna comment on where Mike Reese worked or worked, but yeah, I would agree with that. He and and to add more context to this, at number eighty eight, the New Orleans Saints take Jamal Adams. Yeah, so you're, you're telling me you yes. take a solid defensive player in T.J. Watt in round two, and in round three, you think it's a good idea to take arguably the most overrated wide receiver in the game right now, a guy who plays maybe two games a year hard and takes the rest of the year off. An offense that has Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott and uh, Michael Gallup, who is an up-and-coming receiver. Yes. And Amari Cooper couldn't catch, uh, I don't know, more than two of his eight or nine targets a game when it mattered the most. 
And this is not one season. This is over. I mean, go back. If you want to hear my thoughts on Murray Cooper, just go back in our archives of our show and listen to everything I've ever said about him. You'll know my feelings on him. It is not personal. Again, this is all just on the field. Uh, a little offshoot, Chris. It'd be it'd be cool to put all your clips together. On oh, one maybe night. one day, maybe one day we'll do one, we'll do a greatest hits on each player, and just put it on the website and say, here, if you want to listen to Chris's Amari Cooper thoughts, click on this. Maybe we'll do a collection of uh, your thoughts on guys like Carson Wentz, and my thoughts on Amari Cooper for maybe the hundred episode bonus or something. We can do that. Why not? But, and, 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 dude, I, I, I don't understand. And then you have Jamal Adams there. You can go T.J. Watt and then go Jamal Adams in round three. And you have your defense, two levels of your defense, with your leaders right. set and in Correct. place. Not not just two levels of your defense, Chris. Two playmakers. Yeah. Two two outstanding playmakers that you could have for the next conservatively five to six years. Man, manning up your defense and saying, okay, well, we could put a lot of good to average players around them. As long as we have those two guys, we're good. We got Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper signed a five-year, hundred million dollar contract extension. Yep. Let's see how much each one of his catches is worth at the end of that five years. I bet she ends up getting something like six hundred thousand per catch. That and, and folks, that probably wouldn't be a good. That wouldn't be good for the the Cowboys. No, Just, not a good investment. And and, and I would guess because. What you could do is you could escalate how uh, playoff catches and how much they count, and he'll probably get like three million worth of catches, and there'll be like three catches. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you could add in the playoffs, and they could have higher value, but you're not going to get that value because they're just. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs too much with Amari Cooper. No, especially if Dak blocks. Oh, especially if Dak walks. And even if the next pick by the Minnesota Vikings at 89, Eric Armstead, you're not on board with Eric Armstead because you already got TJ uh, Watt. Fine. Perfectly fine. And you're not on board with Derek Carr at number three because you decided to select your quarterback in the first round. Okay. Um, I'm trying to, trying to find – oh, oh, right. What was it? The hundred and seventh pick? I think it was the hundred and seventh pick. Yeah, no, ninety six. I'm sorry. The Kansas City Chiefs took Nick Chubb at ninety six. You couldn't take Nick Chubb at eighty eight. Nick Chubb is so. Nick Chubb is as underrated as Amari Cooper is overrated. Nick Chubb should be the face of that Browns team, and I understand it's going to be. Baker Mayfield because he's a quarterback and he came out in the same draft and Mayfield's young and that's fine. But the catalyst for that offense needs to be, I've said this so many times, it needs to be Nick Chubb. By the end of this season, coming up in 2020, Nick Chubb will be not only a top 20, vastly above top 20 running back, he'll be a top 20 player in the entire league, hands down, maybe top 10. He is so good, it's scary. And he does not get any respect. Which, which actually brings us, uh, uh, by the way, um, to finish off the Patriots, the fourth round they selected Frank Clark, defensive end, which oh, I, could live with, I could live without him. Yeah. I brought Nick Chubb because then that, that carries me to the Kansas City Chiefs draft, which perplexed me to no end. They took Stephon Gilmore, first overall, uh, first round, 32nd pick, which is it's fine. It's fantastic. Yeah. 
Uh, and then they took with the 33rd pick because it's a snake draft. They took Dalvin Cook. Okay. Running back. No problem there. I'm pretty sure I just mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs took Nick Chubb in the third round with the 96 pick. That is a problem because those are both running backs and not really known for the receiving game. And then they took Tyrod Taylor with the 97th pick at quarterback. What are they doing? Bit of a drop-off from Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I have no problem with Tyrod Taylor, but what are you doing taking two – like, are you trying to create a college offense with essentially three – I don't think Tyrod Taylor is a running back, but he's an extremely mobile quarterback. You're just going to run, like, T-formation, wishbone offense, option offense. Is that what you're going for, the triple – are you going to install the Georgia Tech Army triple option in the Kansas City offense? Is that what we're going to do? Well, first of all, the Chiefs already have a college offense in real life right now. And that's not a knock. That's just their offense is ridiculous and explosive and can put up 50 points with ease, it seems. But, yeah, I don't understand that. I understand if it comes around to round, you know, 8 or 9 or 10, and you need – another running back and there's somebody that good on the board, which there wouldn't be. That'd be ridiculous. But if there was, I can understand you saying, well, okay, we'll get a backup. But when you still have so many holes to fill that early in the draft, it makes no sense. It's like, it's like in fantasy leagues. First of all, you should never draft a quarterback above like round five. I I, I firmly believe that. And in five, it should only be guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Well, not even last year, it was only Mahomes, because Jackson wasn't who he was now, last year, um, as, a, as far as a player went. But that's kind of like taking your uh, first quarterback in round two or three, and then taking another one in round five. It's like, okay, number one, that just no, that's just gross. You don't take two quarterbacks that early. You take one in like round seven, and then one in the last round, just buffer it. But you, you don't there were so many other positions of need that had dominant players available. It just doesn't make any sense. Thankfully for Chiefs fans, this dude is not drafting their real life team. If you wanted to have Tyrod Taylor, fine. I would have, I, I get the talent of Nick Chubb. I do. I really do. And if you wanted to keep Dalvin Cook, Okay, he was there at that spot at thirty-two, at thirty-three. Maybe you could have went Miles Garrett instead at thirty-four, or David Bakiara at tackle, who went thirty-five. Or, I mean, catch my breath, Julio Jones, Baltimore took at thirty-seven. Yeah, that's. I mean, you could have had one of them or Jalen Ramsey. I know what you think of Jalen Ramsey, but at thirty-eight, by the way, uh, Saquon Bartley went after Dalvin Cook. Are you serious? I just decided. I just wanted to mention that. Saquon, the second best all-around running back in the league behind CMC. Where'd CMC go? CMC went in the first round. Better have. To uh, the 20th overall pick. 20? Yep, to the LA Rams. Uh, You had Teddy Bridgewater, Jimmy G, Tom Brady, uh, Ronnie Stanley, all picked ahead of... Christian McCaffrey. The folks, LA Chargers, folks, uh, I, the LA Chargers uh, uh, reporter picked uh, tackle Ronnie Stanley at number six. 
folks, Ben and I, our whole our whole thing here is we do this because we're two sports fans who just love to talk about sports, and we love that you guys enjoy it and catch on, and uh, you know interact with us. That's why we encourage you to do so. These are thirty-two supposed professionals, and I'm not bashing them as human beings. I don't know them at all. This is just these picks are ridiculous. Listen to Ben and I. I'm not trying to toot our own horn here. We know what we're talking about. We're smart guys. We're knowledgeable guys. We're going to lead you in the right direction. Do not go astray with this misinformation. And and well, I was trying to get to the point of um, even if you wanted to stick with Dalvin Cook, right? And I I love Nick Chubb, and I think Nick Chubb probably would have should went higher. If you wanted Tyrod Taylor, take him at 96. That's fine. At 97, you could have taken one of the following receivers. A.J. Brown. D.K. Metcalf. Cortland Sutton. Kenny Galladay. Henry Ruggs III. Jarvis Landry. Allen Robinson II. um, Tyler Terry McLaurin. I don't know. Is it Allen Robinson III? Uh, it says the second. It oh, I thought it was the third. Right, mispr- right. Just trying to get it right. I thought it was the third. Um, but Terry McLaurin, what you think of him as a second-year player, I don't know. But then my favorite, Tyler Lockett at number 128. Like, that is six, seven receivers you could have taken and paired with Tyrod Taylor to have that. Like, A.J. Brown is uh, – he worked well with Tannehill kind of – breakdown player that you know if, if the play is broke it breaks down and, and you don't have something he can break off his routes and henry rogues the third i think it can be the will be the same jarvis landry is a guy who just he just gets open and gets in position al robinson a big bulky receiver who is underutilized in chicago because they have no quarterback and then tyler lockett who is you know, Russell Wilson's best friend at this point. I just think there was so much talent there that if you're Kansas City, is like, um, yeah, let's put Taylor Taylor on the field and oh, let's pair him with a good receiver. No, we're going to have two running backs, which, by the way, both studs. But the problem is, is you can only run the ball so much. It, it, and I get both of them are pretty good receivers out of the, out of the backfield. They're just not a receiver. Yeah. Uh, just just it, finishing up for me on this topic till we move on to our, our next topic. Any of those receivers you just mentioned, I would have mm-hmm. taken above Amari Cooper. Oh, that's any Any one of them. Even the unproven rookies. Oh, Henry Ruggs, sir, I'd take them over. I'd take them over in a heartbeat. Any of them. Landry. I want to bring up. Uh, in a heartbeat. Um, I always forget the kid's name. You do mention him. The kid from Washington. Terry McLaren. McLaren. He looked phenomenal last year in a really shaky offense. I would take him in a heartbeat. I can't imagine in a Ron Rivera offense where there's actually structure how good he's going to be this year. All of them above Murray Cooper. And that's I'll, that's I'll end that for me there. I just I just want I know we did a lot of bad and I bashed a lot of this and honestly I might dig into this a little more and bash a little bit more. But I want to bring up a positive real quick. The New York Giants draft. I mean, they just hit the sweet spot. They took Deshaun Watson at number four, which good. They took at number sixty-one Yannick and Jaku. Okay. Uh, at number three, they took Taron Armstead, 
Who's a pretty pretty round good three? Offense. You mean round three? Round three. That's okay. Thank you. Round three. Uh, who's a pretty good tackle? I believe he's with the uh, New Orleans Saints. At number four, round four. Sorry. At one twenty-five, they took Allen Robinson the second, which was a late pick, and there's only so many options at that point. That's a steal that late. That's a steal. That's a steal. That's a great That's draft. A great, and you're pairing you're pairing Watson with Robinson. You have a nice tackle. Did you get the uh, defense? You got one defensive player, Yannick Njaku, who is a game pretty good start. <laughs> pretty good start. And this is only four rounds. Obviously, if you have to do more, you obviously you have to do more about the roster. But this is you're starting your base. This is a nice way to start your base. So. Home run to Jordan Rana, Giants reporter. That's a pretty damn good draft right there. Okay, so I, I, I retract my statement that 32 of them didn't know what they're talking about. It's at most 31 because he clearly does. So Yes. All right, moving on. Yep. Uh, the ML, MLB draft is uh, going to happen any day now. I believe it's on June 10th and 11th. Yep. And I bet you a dollar that – Everybody listening to this didn't. Uh, not everybody, maybe. Your brother may have known, <laughs> being a baseball fan. He probably, he probably would. Most people listening to this would not know that. And it made me wonder how much more popular the NFL draft is than all of their drafts. Because I think, as numbers have shown, as far as revenue and fan interest in the United mm-hmm. States, it's NFL and then everything else. But the numbers are, are, are pretty surprising. I mean, it's it's not even close. It's not even in the same ballpark. Take, for instance, 2019. I went through 2019 numbers for myself because that was the last year we didn't have, you know, there was no pandemic. We had all four drafts occur. Last year, the MLB draft drew 300,000 viewers. Now you might say to yourself, oh, that's a lot of people. Yeah, that's a lot of people to fit in one stadium. Over the entire country of 350, 360 million people, That's a very small percentage, minuscule. The NHL was slightly better, 365,000, although that's only in America. Other countries where it's far more popular, such as Russia, Canada, um, all the Scandinavian countries, you're obviously going to have higher numbers. I couldn't find those numbers. I guess when I went, it was in the United States. So MLB and NHL definitely bringing up the rear. NBA is next at a respectable 3 million plus. That's, That's not nothing. That's much better than the other two. Ten times what the other two got. Then you have the NFL. And in 2019, the NFL set a record for, I believe, the third or fourth year in a row, as far as viewership went for the draft. NFL draft had 9 million viewers in the first round and a three-round a- or three-day average of 6.1 million. So even the rounds that nobody cared about, like four through seven or three through seven on the third day, was still drawing crazy numbers. And I know you have some numbers to read off, too, so I'll just read off this one final stat. The 2020 NFL draft blew all of that out of the friggin' water by a mile. Okay, I understand we were all stars for sports, right. and we all just wanted some kind of live content. So this was going to be this was gonna be huge. As long as it went off without a hitch and hats off to the NFL, it went out very well. 15.6 million viewers in round one. By far a record. Crazy. Round two, 8.3 million. Uh, round two and three, excuse me. And on day three for round three through seven, it was 4.2. So they did more, oh uh, God, a good 12 to 13 times more for their rounds nobody even cared about than the NHL and MLB did. And it just begs the question, what makes the NFL draft 
so much more special than all the other sports leagues. I can what makes you. it different? I can tell you. Okay, please do. As because I, I don't know. Have you watched all four drafts before? I have never watched the uh, NHL draft. I've watched the other three. Okay, so I've watched all four. I'll tell you why the NFL is better. Uh, not better, but but more popular. It's because college football is more popular. Mm-hmm. You know the names better. And NBA, some issues with the NBA sometimes happens where you don't know the players as much. Um, some of them are from other – which, by the way, you have to factor in um, for the NBA as well, not just the NHL. Um, attention coming from other countries, China, uh, other Asian countries in that area, Russia, Germany, a lot of uh, Italy, uh, basically the entire world is invested in the NBA. So we would need to pull all those numbers to get a, an actual number for the NBA. Right. Just because if you look at the NBA draft itself, you get players from all over the world getting selected. And that does, I don't want to say it takes away from the U S attention, but the other problem is, is in the first round of the NFL draft, all 32 play all 32 teams. If you have a pick matter, once you get out of the 15th pick in the NBA draft or 16th, even it's even that deep. Yeah. Basically when you get out of the lottery, it's, Kind of like, eh. not to say you don't <laughs> care, but it doesn't really matter too much because you have five you have five guys on the court at once. You have a roster of 15. How much talent can you infuse each and every year when you only have two rounds? Right. So It used to be more than like, two rounds, didn't it? It used to be. Yeah, like okay. I thought ago, so. But right yeah. now it's, it's two rounds. Right. So you got to think of it this way, is the first round of the NBA draft – or the first half of the uh, first half of the NBA draft first round is like the first round of the NFL draft. And then the second round, the second half of the first first round of the NBA draft is like the second and the third round of the NFL draft. So it just, the talent doesn't bubble as quickly to the top as where you have 32 teams in the NFL and that first, the 32nd pick in the draft this year uh, by what was it? It was Kansas City. Kansas City, yeah, Kansas City. Is gonna. It's probably gonna matter. Oh, whereas he's definitely gonna matter. Whereas, or or like think of the of uh, uh, when um, Baltimore took J.K. Dobbins in I believe the second round. He's gonna matter. Whereas the second round pick for um, I don't know who's gonna be the first overall pick. Uh, first. Um, the team with the first pick, but it's uh, probably going to be like the Knicks or the Charlotte Hornets. Their first round pick, the first pick in the second round, isn't they really still the Hornets? Matter. Charlotte Hornets, yeah, they're still Charlotte Hornets. No, the Bucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Wow, I'm getting my names crossed up. Uh, but that second that second round pick in the first uh, the first overall pick in the second round, it's just not going to matter. And, and the value of the first round picks don't don't translate to what the NFL draft does. Like Chris, if you're a team that has the 35th pick in the draft in the second round, 
and you want to move up into the first round, there's a chance you can get a first round pick back for that, right? Sure. NBA, NBA, you can't. You can't. You can't. Like, like um, Danny Ainge has like multiple first round picks each and every year. He can't move up and get better picks because the value is not there. And that's part of it. And the other part of it is, is just basketball and more so hockey and baseball just don't do enough job, a good enough job promoting their college sports to get their bases out there. Like you have the March Madness, which is why basketball is closer to the NFL, but NHL and, and, and MLB just don't do a good job of promoting their college sports to get their, their brand out there. And then you have NHL and MLB who also have players who are 18 who go right into the sport, whereas the other two sports right now do not. So you just don't know the names. Like if I'm watching MLB draft uh, next, like in a couple days, if I watch it, I'm not going to know any of their names because, well, one, we didn't have the College World Series this year, I don't think. And two. No, we did not. And two, and here's the bigger problem, is I just don't know them. Like, you know the names in the NBA. Like, I know, you, I know you don't, you're not a hardcore NFL, uh, college football fan, but you know a good portion of those names in the NFL draft. Oh, absolutely, at least yeah. The, at least in the first round. Just, I want to I, cr- correct myself and uh, confirm what you said. You are correct. It is, it is the Charlotte Hornets again. Oh. So, that's why I didn't interrupt you, but I just wanted to get that in there before people listening. And went, no, what is Chris talking about? It is the Hornets. Right, because it's the New Orleans Pelicans. Yes. Damn it. Chris... I was right the first time. Well, it was the first but time anyway, for everything. Um, I just did want, I did want to bring up an interesting aspect. So, What's that? the 2019 NBA draft drew an average of 3.09 million viewers. Right, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. The NBA draft lottery drew 4.48 million viewers. Well, there's a lot more interest finding out where your team's going to be, and once you know they're not in the top four or five, you're probably like, eh, okay, whatever. I mean, it, it's it's simple as that, and and I think if I'm the NBA, I need to look at those numbers and say, how can I translate that right to the NBA draft? And the pro, I get again, the problem is, is you just only have so many players who need to be infused in the team. You have a 53 man roster for game day in the NFL, whereas NBA it's 15. It's just a numbers matter. And I think you touched on this too. Uh, players in the NFL and sometimes the NBA, not only are they more, um, first of all, the NFL, you're 100% right. It's because most players are from the United States. You're watching these guys for four years. It's, it's, they're part of the culture. NBA is a little bit lesser so because number one, players don't have to be in college for four years, three years anymore. Right. Um, which took me out of it a lot. I don't know a percentage even of what I knew about basketball or the NBA players as I did when I watched college and followed those guys to the NBA. But uh, you and a lot of NBA's international players as well, which we're not as familiar with, but with the NFL, they play quicker. Like Joe Burrow, first overall pick. You're going to see him on the field this coming season. Right. To attack Leavoa, you're going to see him on the field. More than likely Justin Herbert at some point. 
you're going to see all these top guys, offense and defense, making an impact in some way, almost right away. Whereas the NHL, MLB, minor league systems, like you might see, the, you might not see the first overall pick in this coming MLB draft for five years in the pros. NHL might, I would skew the NHL a little bit. The top, I would say the top five. You you will see in the uh, you'll the see pros. them right away. They have to be exceptional talent. Like Austin right. Meadows was drafted, not Austin Meadows. Um, Austin Matthews was drafted like three or four years ago. Right in. Okay. It, it, I mean, we're talking top, top, and small percentage. Year old, you're, but you're talking like top five, right? Maybe top eight. And as you start to go down more and more, then they'll spend times in the AHL. But I would say, like, there's the players that the the Bruins drafted. There was a year they had three first round picks, and two of them were right in a row. One of those play, and this was like four, five years ago, I think three, four, five years ago, only one of those players has had sustained success in the NHL. And this was, these were picks in the teens. So like mid to late teens or, or early twenties. Right. So yeah, it, 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 you're exactly right. It's, and it's, and the MLB is probably, I don't want to say worse, but like, and it is a problem with, with the whole system of how it's set up. It's worse because you punish yourself if you bring up a kid at 18, 19 years old, like uh, an Alex Rodriguez, a Ken Griffey Jr., a Mike Trout. You bring them up early, you have to pay them earlier. Right. And then they're hitting free agency in their prime, and it costs a lot more money. Right, which is yeah. the problem we're having with uh, Chris Bryant and who's the other one? There's another player that's having – oh, oh, George Springer. Right, okay. Yep. They brought him up – he has one more day to get service time to be eligible for – he would have been eligible for free agency this past offseason had he been brought up one day earlier in his first year. And don't think these teams don't know that. Oh, they know that. <laughs> they oh, know they everything. No they know, out down to a second they know this stuff. So, This is why I, I, I will side a lot with the MLB union on some things, but there's a lot of stuff I don't like. But this is one of the biggest issues Yeah, is, is – if the player's ready at spring tra- uh, for spring training and he's ready, day one of that season, you, you should see that player. Well, we're talking MLB. You want to get it over with? Fine, we'll get it over with. I mean, I'm just going to beat right. him up again. This I'm is just, our. I, this I, is I, this is our again. We're a sports podcast, and this is new. This is new. It sounds it's the same old story, but it is new information. So right. we're not going to get. We're not going to dig into it too deep because you guys are as bored with it as we are at this point. The MLB players have declined the MLB owner's proposal for a, is it 75 game season? Well, I don't think they've declined it. They're very against it. Is is the... So they haven't officially voted on it. I don't think they've officially voted okay, on it. But I was wrong about that then. They've already, like this story came out this morning. This morning. Yeah, this morning. Right. And there's already grumblings that they're they're against this, which, on the surface, just without saying anything, is ridiculous because you haven't even had a full-on discussion about this. But anyway, go ahead, Chris. So apparently, and the players kept saying they did not want to restructure their pay scale again. They already agreed on a prorated contract if it was going to be half a season at 81 games. 
then the owners went back with them and said, no, we're going to have to do it on a sliding pay scale because we can't pay you uh, money because we're not getting revenue. It was just a big mess. I mean, you can go back and listen to seemingly the last seven, eight, nine, ten episodes of ours, and we say something about the MLB in each one. It's all increasingly more ridiculous. Now the players have uh, apparently are not happy with this uh, restart proposal. A 75% prorated salary. So, whatever you would say they play, I think I think the proposal was for 75 games, I believe, or... 76. Eight, eight, 76 games. Yes. 76 games. They would get 75% of what they normally would have gotten at a prorated level, which is higher than the last proposal that the players apparently agreed upon, but they wanted... This is all coming down to dollars. Again, they want their 100-and-something game season prorated at 100%. So now... They got the owners to agree on this percentage for this many games. And if you're lost, folks, you're not alone because we're all getting lost on this. Now they have what they wanted, apparently, but it's not exactly what they wanted because the wind blew a different direction and now they want something else. And I just, 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 we're not having baseball this year. We're not going to see baseball. It's not so happening. Ben was right. It's not happening. Here's a couple. Here, here's what it is. There's 76 games, 75% of the pro-rated salary, Okay. Here's a couple of nuggets that the, the uh, Major League Baseball is throwing to the union, okay? They're eliminating draft pick compensation for free agents for a year, at least a year, which you would agree has prevented some players from signing right away, i.e. Dallas Keuchel two years ago yep. signed in April or May yeah. with the Atlanta Braves. That's just one example. Teams would not lose a, a pick for signing a free agent the team losing the pick would get compensatory pick during the draft, which is the same thing the NFL was doing right. for years. Right. And so it's worked very is, well. <laughs> right. This is not a new concept. You're not punishing the team that's taking the, the free agent, but you are giving the team that lost that free agent a little bit of something, even if it's a third round pick, fifth round pick. Again, MLB is different because they have what? 20 rounds. 30 rounds or something? That's a lot, yeah. It's a lot. Look, I'm never against watching drafts. Don't watch the MLB draft. Just read about it afterwards because first Watch the first round if you're interested. Watch the first round. But after that, you're not going to know any of the players. Nobody follows college baseball. My problem isn't with the players or the presentation. It's it's the analyst, the the experts uh, of... of baseball scouting, it just they they rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, if I'm going to put it politely, I just think they're just a little too high on themselves as think because they're all about hoarding these draft picks. But that's a, that's, a, that's another story for another day. And the proposal concludes a 200 million dollar postseason pool for players, which is not a drop in the bucket. I mean, 200 million. How, yeah, no. Depending on how you do it, and and the, the playoff schedule involved ten teams, which is what we have right now, right? Yeah, three three yes. division, yep. three, three division divi- winners, uh, yeah, three division winners, yep. And the, the two wild cards, and they did the wild card, which wild is, card playing game, yeah, which is one of the best things they've done, but they just can't expound on it because they're baseball. Funny enough, and, well, supposedly they have agreed on it for the new, with the new, with a CBA proposal, right? But 
Uh, I did not think I would like that wild card playing game. When, I, when they first announced that, I was vehemently against it. I thought that was stupid. I was like, you're going to have this team that played for the wild card all year, and then they get one game, one and done. But um, I have to say, I've enjoyed it. It's, it's been a welcome change. So You shouldn't have gave up those games in April and May. Yep. It just proves the point that every game matters, yep. even no matter if it's April or September. And the season would end in October 31st, which, uh, okay, fine. If you're going to play in – Arizona or Florida, okay, fine. Yeah, it wouldn't matter. That'd be fine. Again, as I said to Chris earlier before we started, you're running up your NFL, your your Major League Baseball playoffs against the heart of the NFL season. Right. We're not talking the beginning where it's over by end of October. That's a season. Then you have the entire playoffs, and you're going into weeks four through seven. No, I think it's 11 through Oh, the end of October. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like 11 through 14, which is different. It's difference makers for some teams, especially when you're talking about the NFC South. uh, And if the trend keeps going on the AFC South, those are kind of the two um, divisions that kind of fight tooth and nail to the end. And these are going to matter. And if you're the Atlanta Braves and you're, uh, the Falcons are, are trying to push for a playoff berth. Those games are going to matter. People are going to watch them or going to go to them. I get it's not oppor- uh, uh This is not the most opportune time to do this, but you might want to consider having the season end in September and playing the playoffs in October because at least you're going up against weeks four through eight in the NFL season. Which is what they do anyways. Which is what they Normally, do anyways. So. so it's not as huge of a deal, but now you're going up against 11, like 11 through 14 or something of that matter, which is the most important parts. It's just, it's just continued narrative of they're just not going to play this season. They're just not going to. They're never going to no, agree. No. I have to say, honestly, man, at this point, it's, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep, you know, we, we, we have a sports podcast, so we'll continue to give people new information. But as far as me personally goes, I can't wait for the NFL to start because even with no fans, it looks like they're going to be able to start. Uh, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the NBA for the first time in many years. Uh, and I'm not a hockey fan, but good for the NHL for doing what they had to do and getting a restart plan in place. Yep. As far as baseball goes, I love the game of baseball. The game of baseball is my first sports love. I've made that very clear how much I love the game. Um. I'm honestly just disgusted with the players and the owners at this point. So if I happen to catch it and it's on, and I might see if, they, if for some odd chance they play this season, cool. I'm not going out of my way to watch any games this year. I just, they have turned me off from it completely. It's, it's in a time when so many people are hurting. They're worried about every goddamn penny they can get. And they're millionaires. I'm done. I'm done. I'll see you in 2021. I don't care. Go away. I'll watch basketball and football. I'm good. And we've discussed this before, how each side's throwing mud at at the other ones. The MLB Players Union had just did it again three days ago when uh, the Major League Baseball Players Association's chief negotiator, Bruce Meyer, sent a letter to the MLB uh, Deputy Commissioner and Somehow, Chris, it got out. Yeah, somehow. That, yeah. that the players accused MLB teams of depriving America of baseball games. 
I'm not going to go into this article because I already know what it says. I didn't read the whole thing. I know what it says. Shame on you for trying to take the player's money. Shame on you for not letting them play. Shame on you for not letting America have baseball. And you know what the owner's probably going to say? Well, shame on you for thinking of money at a time like this. You should go out and entertain the crowds, uh, uh, the fans who are at home with this time going on. And you should be able to present them with an outlet like the NFL just did with the draft. It's just back and forth, back and forth. And who knows what's going to happen when their CBA is done. It's going to get real ugly. Well, there's probably going to be a strike just on their, and I quote, principles alone. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Rob Manfred is a terrible commissioner. Correct. He's awful. He's a terrible leader. He speaks with the confidence of a 12-year-old boy who's trying to talk to his first girl. He almost reminds me of, like, the coach of the Mud Dogs and the Water Boy. Like, people just seem to walk all over him, and he's just like, oh, I don't want to bother anybody. Okay. He's terrible. But he does have the ability as commissioner to mandate a season length. He has that power. He has all sorts of power. He can, yet he's not using to make this better. Now, he can't tell the players how much they have to take because they are their own able-bodied you know, human beings right. who can make their own decisions. Right. But he can say, we're doing a 50-game season. We're doing an 80-game season. Work on it from there because this is what we have. But what's he doing? Oh, well, I don't know. Um, We're going to... um, uh. Uh, yeah. That's a Rob Manfred press conference in a nutshell. Doesn't say anything. He, he could have enacted the pitch clock. It was even intimated a couple of years ago that he was going to enact the pitch clock whether the, the players associated agreed to it or not. Did he do it? Nope. Nope. He wouldn't do it. There's a lot of things he won't do. He won't push the game forward with the power that he has because he's so scared of Tony Clark, which, by the way, needs to be identified as a part of this problem. Absolutely. He, he is trying to push the union's narrative of, of pay, 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 pay. And uh, there was a, a graph, I wish I had it handy, that I saw each and every year. MLB average salary continually goes up each and every year. So it ain't like they ain't getting paid. So... You need to come to a point if you're if your sports prospering like the NFL, if it's prospering, and you guys can eat each and every year increase salaries because each and every year it increases in popularity, in revenue, then great. But if you start to see viewership fall off, you might want to consider taking action because eventually you're going to start seeing revenue drop off. You may not see it now. But give it a couple of years, and when those TV contracts come up, and teams and and cable companies, radio companies, if they still exist at that point, come to you and say, "Yeah, we're not going to pay you as much because we're not getting the viewership or or the radio listeners because they're going to streaming services or they just don't have time for it or they're going to I don't know NBA because the NBA shifted their schedule." to start in concert with you, you're going to see those dollars go down. And when the revenue co- revenue comes down from TV deals 
and you're already seeing losses at the gate because not as many fans are going, you're going to start seeing those contracts come down real quick. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I was going to bring it up to you, and you and you pointed out exactly. There will be a strike. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. I'd be shocked if there isn't. There is no, there is no way there won't be because they can't agree on this now. What's it going to be like? I don't remember when it's. I think it's actually next. I thought. I think. I think the MLB one is next year. What is it going to be like when you have to get to the point uh, that you have to negotiate? You don't think the owners are going to remember this, mm-hmm. and you know Tony Clark is going to remember this. Oh yeah. So they're all going to remember what's going on right now. And they're just going to have this salty taste in their mouth. Oh, you treated us like crap here, so we want the X, Y, and Z. Well, you treated us like crap here, so we want we want X, Y, and Z. They're never going to agree. No. Unless, unless you say, unless the owners take Ma- Rob Manford aside, push him out, and then the MLB players take Tony Clark and his – who is that? Uh, Bob Meyer, their, uh, Bruce Meyer, their chief negotiator – push him out and you have someone like Bryce Harper, Trevor Bauer, uh, Mike Trout, and give me another name. That's popular. That's Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts. There you go. Thank you. And if you want to throw Cody Ballinger in there, you can throw Cody Ballinger as a really young guy. They all sit down and say, look, this is not working. Let's talk as grownups. And I know that's not how unions work, right? But let's talk as grownups and say, what, what are we doing wrong and how can we continue to grow or not continue? How can we begin, <laughs> begin to grow this sport again Yeah, and, and reinvigorate the fan base because we're just not doing it to help us. And if we don't do this five, 10 years from now, the Mookie Betts of now, the Cody Bellagers, those guys who would have played baseball or who would have done two sports in high school and they had to make a decision going to college, they're going to decide, no, I'm going to go NBA or I'm going to go uh, NFL. Heck, I might go soccer because I can make more money overseas than yep. I can in Major League Baseball. I mean, that's, that's just my thoughts. And I can give you, I can give you a rundown of what I think needs to be changed in the sport to make it more appealing, better. But I don't think we have that kind of time today. No, I run a little long anyways, but we will, we'll, this won't be the last time this is brought up. Unfortunately, you want to talk about Seymour real quick? Yeah, let's, let's go to Seymour. I had, I had something I was going to say too. It was actually uh, a pretty good point I had, but I, I lost it because I can't remember anything. Yeah. So last episode I talked about, we talked about, uh, I brought up Richard Seymour and how the Patriots were still, kind of reaping the rewards of that trade. Uh, that isn't actually, it's not necessarily from that trade. I did a little more research and it is, but it isn't. And it's really just a big convoluted mess that would not make for a very entertaining segment. So I just did the, the direct fallout from that trade. And I mean, it's, it's, it's not nothing, but in 2011, the Patriots traded Richard Seymour to the Raiders for their first round pick. Raiders had pick number 17. So the Patriots kept 17 and traded their own pick number 28 to New Orleans for their first round pick the following year and their second round pick of that draft. They used that second round draft pick to take Shane Vereen, who, while not exceptional stat-wise, played a very big part on that team 
If you're somebody who watched the Patriots from week to week, you know he had a big impact. They then, the following season, had picks number 27 and 31, their own, and a pick from New Orleans from the previous year. And they chose Chandler Jones with number 21, who they traded from 27 to 21. They got Chandler Jones. Then they traded from 31 down six spots to take Dante Hightower. Vereen and Jones are, are gone from the team. They both won Super Bowl 49 against Seattle with New England, as did Dante Hightower. Hightower is still with the team and won two additional Super Bowls. So you got three Super Bowl champions out of that one trade for Seymour who went on to, you know, mediocrity. Uh, the team said, no, no, no uh, Seymour wasn't mediocre, but the team, the Raiders he went to, did not do very oh, well okay. while he was there. He was always a very good player, borderline great, and belongs in the Patriots Hall of Fame where he is now. But, yeah, that's kind of the end of that direct, the direct result of the trade. So, I mean, everything else I read, it was really, really convoluted. Like, oh, they had this fourth-round pick, and they traded it because they wanted this fifth-rounder for the following year, and it... Honestly, it wouldn't be really fun to listen to. And I couldn't explain it in a way that wouldn't get everybody, including myself and Ben, lost. So I just said I'll do the direct fallout because I said I would. And, um, yeah, but either way, trading one guy you weren't going to resign and getting three guys who contributed to a Super Bowl and one guy who contributed to three is a pretty right. solid deal. So It's just like I told you before, last episode. It's, it's just him. It's Bill mucking it up to a point where one side he's he's just trying to get maximize his um, return and investment and two so you can't really track what he's doing because you have a portion of patriots fan who just hate it every time he takes that first round pick and drops out of the first round because it's not that scintillating name that we're gonna get you know um the first round pick uh, the, the, they traded this year and they got the safety, which I can't think of his name. I believe it's Kyle Duggar. Thank you, Kyle Duggar, the safety. Um, but it was, he, and he and he's not a sizzling name either because there were other names, uh, players, safeties that could have been taken before him. But it's that it's that he takes away that sizzle. So part of the Patriot fans, you know, hate it when they drop trade out the first round pick. And then you'll have the Patriot defenders who say, "Well, you got this and this and this." And then the Patriot detractors will be like, "Well." You could have had this or this, and then he just convolutes it so much. I think that's part of his madness, is he just likes to cloud it up so much. I've been calling him the mad scientist for a decade and a half, and that's meant as a compliment, because the man knows what he's doing. And Anybody who might question his draft strategy, look at the Super Bowl trophy case in Foxborough and tell me you got a problem with it. And how many times did they win the AFC, uh, AFC East chan- uh, division? How many yeah. AFC championship games have they been in? It's it's just it's just insane. And you know, you can be frustrated sometimes that they don't get that first round pick, but you just know he's going to find value wherever he can, i.e. Absolutely. Shelton. Yeah. Yep. I remember what I was gonna say. Baseball, and I said this a couple episodes ago, baseball. You said, what do they need to come back? They don't have a McGuire and a Sosa this time. Right, they don't. And say what you want about PEDs and steroids and this and that. First of all, I could take PEDs every day for the next five years and work out like a madman. I still can't hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. So 
I know people, oh, it's cheating, it's this and that. Well, let me, you only care if your team sucks. If your team is good and the guy's doing PEDs, you really don't care. Let's just call that what it is. Anyways, McGuire and Sosa saved that game. Yeah. That summer in 98, it was the most exciting thing in baseball. People who weren't Cubs or Cardinals fans were watching Cubs and Cardinals games. I know I was because I just had to see this historic record be broken by these two behemoth guys who were just chasing history. It was so and exciting. As they were going as back and forth. Yeah, as, yeah like exactly. This. Going back and forth. It wasn't just one guy was ahead, the other guy was catching. They were up and down. But who was going to do it first? It was so exciting. And then, of course, Bud Seeley, who knew they were on something, decided to throw him under the bus once it was no longer good PR and they'd save the game. But that strike in 94, that game was not the same when it came back. Maguire and Sosa saved it. There is no Maguire and Sosa in this game right now. There's players who are by far more talented athletically. But baseball does not know how to market anybody. We've been through that before. They're not going to market Mookie. It's not going to be Mookie Betts and Mike Trout going neck and neck for the world. For the super. Um, God. I'm getting every sport mixed up here. For the home run crown. It just, it's not going to have that level of excitement. So because Mookie Betts doesn't hit, he doesn't hit home. He doesn't but that, hit that's home. what I'm saying. They don't have that guy. They don't have they don't have those guys who are just larger than life, people and personalities, because they can't market and they can't make people care about their players. It's not a talent thing. It's a marketing thing. They don't have right. a McGuire and a Sosa. So there's no McGuire and Sosa saving it from the '94 strike. If they go on strike now, they may as well come to the realization their game is going to be less important than Major League Soccer when it comes back from that because people are just not going to give a damn. You, what you need, you need players, and, and rest in peace, Jose Fernandez. You need someone like him who was appointment washing. Oh, yeah. Very enigmatic, very pronounced, and I love watching Jose Fernandez. And uh, also, you're Dono Ventura from Kansas City. That kid was electric. Dude, he didn't quite experience the success that Jose Fernandez had. No. Fernandez was absolutely something special. And Ventura looked like he was along those same lines too, but never quite got to uh, um, Fernandez's level. But still, yeah, you're right. Excitement like that. Young players who can get people's attention. They don't have that right now. Like you have some sizzle players. You know, you have um, uh, Jose Baez with the Cubs. Has a lot of... um, personality uh, uh like he, he adds a lot of there's just he you don't have like you have Jim Carlos Denton who can pop who could probably break the record but he can't stay on the field and he has no personality yeah same with Mike Trout he could probably break the record it's like you could literally have west uh, west coast east coast even though they're in the same well actually Sammy and uh McGuire were in the same uh division even yeah, there's a, but you could have that West Coast, East Coast kind of back and forth. But Mike Trout just hits. He doesn't hit home runs specifically. And Giancarlo Stanton is just not going to stay on the field. And neither one of them have personalities worth a damn. Like, you'd need someone like Trevor Bauer. And honestly, you would still need Jose Fernandez. Unfortunately, uh, he's not with us anymore. You would need two people like that going after something like a, a ERA title a win well I know ERA is a sin and win totals is a sin because it's not sabermetric friendly yeah screw sabermetrics you need something like that 
to kind of push the sport. And it has to be two players, three players, whatever you want to kind of push it. Because you can't force Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich to have this rivalry when they probably, you know, if the Dodgers are visiting Milwaukee, they're, they're going to go uh, have uh, lunch together probably. And they're just not – they're not, I don't think they're that pronounced. And when Cody Bellinger talked, it's just, it's just verbal diarrhea coming out of his, out of his mouth. I just, I just don't think he understands how to talk. <laughs> but you need someone like Trevor Bauer and someone as, because he's pronounced, he is, he is very animated on the, on the, uh, the mound. Whereas someone like, what's his name? Uh, Justin Verlander, you know, yeah, he, he, he's, a hard-throwing righty who's very good at his job, but he's not. He wants the game to be played by the letter of the law and the unwritten rules. Do this and do that, and don't don't strut around the bases. Don't flip your bat, and don't do this. And don't like you need to evolve the game, guys. You just do. Well, we uh, that's our that's our bad. You and I said we weren't going to get long form into baseball. I think we've got a total of about half an hour on it. So, well, okay. but I think it was good stuff. So hopefully you all enjoy it. But I think uh, anything else, Ben? Are you good for now? I'm all set. All right. As always, we thank you for listening. And if you have any opinions or thoughts or questions on any of our topics or anything else, we would love to hear from you. And Ben, where can they do that? They can hit us up on Facebook. That's Ben and Chris Talk Sports. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSPod. And again, coming soon, BCTSPod.com. I'm working on it. Well, as soon as I'm editing this show and posting it, I will be working on that again. So hopefully, very shortly, we will have our website. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you all right back here Friday morning. Thank you.